the Grey Hat Beard podcast. Hello and welcome to Grey Hat Beard episode three. Uh, we've had some lovely feedback from people and uh, thank you very much for those. The good news now is we are on Google Play, we are on iTunes and we're on Spotify. So all your standard platforms are out there. If there are other ones, please drop us a note and we'll, we'll try and get on everything. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're a bit too old to be on Snapchat, so we, we haven't gone on there. But uh, if you really think we need to be on Snapchat, then, then do let us know. Uh, we also had some feedback on the shorter episodes. People like those, but found that the the very short discussion ones, there was too much of the just as people getting into it, it was cutting uh, and playing the music. So this time we're going to have two two uh, episodes of this. One will be the news, and one will be the discussion. Uh, and I think on that, let's get started straight away onto the news. And uh, Al, over to you. So what have I been doing this week? I've been playing with model-driven apps, so uh, building an application for a client, um, which is great fun, really getting into into the capabilities of model-driven apps. Um, but one of the things that is really interesting that has been released is more around the Canvas apps. So the new ability to actually integrate um, App Insights into Canvas apps and be able to actually have your Canvas app push to App Insights to get more information around usage and, and issues, uh, but also to get more information around where people are, what they're doing um, and how they're how they're actually working. So that that telemetry is really going to be a bit of a game changer because it will give us much more information around whether apps are working, whether they're not working and how they're being used. And whether the smoke um, alarm's going off. Yeah, and whether the smoke alarm yeah. goes off, that yeah, wasn't planned, but always, always a good, uh, a good alarm. That's a, that's a good good Azure alert you've got going on there, Gary. Yeah, IoT, that is uh, at its best. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for anybody who hasn't used App Insights, um, it's, it is a very powerful tool in terms of the information that you can get uh, to log errors and just to you know, to debug what's going on in your app. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out with with Canvas apps. Um, the other element that has been talked about this week in the news is um, the ability to actually have a test framework for Power Apps and to be able to start to build out automated tests um, and to be able to do that regression testing more easily, which, you know, when it comes to DevOps scenarios, um, which we'll talk about a little later on, I mean, this is an absolutely key capability for us to be able to to deliver tests automatically rather than having to manually go through them. Um, so again, this is another thing that I really want to start playing with um, and to really start to understand what it is that it can do. And as with anything this fresh and this new, what the constraints and limitations will be as well. And the licensing. <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody had to mention licensing. Oh, I don't know. Who invited you to this? Um, needless, needless to say, licensing will inevitably kick in. Um, licensing and think you know when you're talking about app, app insights the costs because obviously that's been that's pumping the the log information out to azure so there it's will really, be costs. relatively cheap license for for app insights and the, the cost is, is, is pretty much the storage so i wouldn't see a big one there and i, I would have thought the power apps test framework would be included it's funny i hadn't really thought about the licensing for that one because i kind of assumed it'd be part of it anyway but 
uh, certainly be worth keeping an yeah, eye. Yeah, and I think that's it'll be interesting to see how that integrates back into things like Azure DevOps uh, in order to you know to use it within your DevOps pipelines. Um, again, it's it's very fresh, but it it needs to be explored and obviously. You know, when we do find those limitations, to feed them back to Microsoft so that they can improve it. But it's it's great to see the Power Platform kind of go to. Everyone talks about it being low code and no code, but to me, there's no reason why it, it shouldn't have testing. There's no reason why it shouldn't be able to do the things that developers should be taking for granted. And it's it's really making big steps towards that, which is good. And certainly, when you when you're thinking about enterprise level applications, you know, the application I'm building at the moment's got a model driven app. It's great. But it's also got two um, Canvas apps, both of which will end up being line of business Canvas apps. So you need to have that enterprise level um, trust that it's going to work and that you can run updates and, and those are also going to work. It's, it's been a while um, since this was actually announced. I remember seeing it on a, a, a slide deck at one of the big Microsoft conferences last year. Uh, yep. And thinking, yeah, this is going to be the game changer. I think what it's going to hopefully do as well is provide a bit of kind of that automated documentation around what a Power App actually does. If you've got the test cases there, it's much easier to understand, okay, what, what does it actually do um, and the functionality? Because it's quite difficult to look at a Power App and go, okay, what's actually going on behind the scenes? Uh, just because of the way that the the designer is 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 kind of built, um, you don't have that kind of looking at the full code kind of view um, that you'd maybe have with like a web app or something. So, yeah, yeah. and I think yeah, it it will be interesting to see how it actually works. Um, as you say, it was mentioned. I think probably summer last year it was first first discussed, but it's only going to public preview now. Um, so it kind of it kind of indicates that they've either had more challenges than they expected, um, or they've got more features in there than they had planned. Yeah, don't know don't know which one. We'll wait and see. <laughs> cool. Um, so Gary, what have what have you been up to, and what's caught your eye? Um, so uh, been looking at uh, Office three six five DSC uh, this week. Uh, so this is a uh, module um, from Microsoft. It's open source on GitHub. Um, uh, if you don't know of DSC, uh, DSC stands for Desired State Configuration, which is, um, you know, if you're in the if you're an IT pro uh, in the admin world, um, you'd probably use DSC for um, managing environments. So the, what Office 365 DSC allows you to do is kind of, as it says, manage, configure, extract, monitor your tenant configuration, you can use the module to um, extract all of the configuration from an Office 365 tenant. So it will go through through things like exchange policies, it will go through SharePoint uh, policies, teams, um, at a really uh, detailed level. And it pulls all that out into uh, a configuration file, uh, which basically describes all of your configuration. Then the idea is you can use that to monitor your uh, your environment. So you you've effectively created desired state. That's what your environment is, and you want to know if any changes have been made. So you can use DSC to uh, to, to to monitor any changes. So if someone goes in, makes a change through the admin center, then that's effectively making your environment non-compliant. 
Um, nice. if you want to, you want to know about that. And DSC has different various options of being able to flag that up and say, you're no longer compliant. Uh, something's changed or you're not compliant. Change it back to what it should be. Um, which could be painful, but, um, <laughs> but it, it's that idea that you've got that, you've got that monitoring, you know, what's being changed. So, um, as more and more things get added into Office 365, you know, governance um that's needed around that it, it's a nice things get, things get added to office 365 <laughs> all the time yeah <laughs> um it, it's a good way of, of having that that overview um so i've been playing around with that um and uh, it, it's just been released so there's a few minor issues but um generally it's yeah it's looking like a really good tool um for governance. gary if you had multiple office 365 tenants so one for test one for production mm -hmm. would that be a tool that you would be able to use to say i want to take my production configuration and match my test configuration to it exactly that yeah um you know there's um there's a there's a tool um, that allows you to um kind of pick the configurations that you want so do you want exchange do you want teams you you can kind of go to the you know uh, the level of, of each service, um, but you're right. Once you have that configuration, it's a it's effectively a blueprint. You can then apply that to different environments and then keep them all all in sync. So definitely for for creating um, dev dev tenants, um, it, it's a good way of, good way of doing it. I, th I think it's really interesting, and ignoring the fact that you seem to be turning into an IT pro from a dev uh, for now. Uh, but I see that the there's this your pipelines there. So yep. is this part of a pipeline then? So you can deploy it through that? It, it, it can be. Um, yeah, I think its main use uh, is through Azure Automation. So Azure Automation is um, uh, it's like a desired state um, configuration manager. You can take these configurations, put them into Azure Automation and just have um, consistency, consistent consistency checks um uh, run every say 15 minutes and you have all that reporting in, in there um so you can take it to that level of uh, having a, a proper uh, service that is is managing your compliance um, and governance um i've not got to that stage yet i'm literally just running it from my own machine um but um but yeah nice. it, 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 there's lots of use cases for it cool what what else you been up to um, so uh, back into DevOps. Um, so I've been looking at uh, tools for us to be able to generate documentation um, from work items. So, um, you know, user stories and epics and features, getting information into there from um, from from documents, um, being able to manage uh, all of the business requirements uh, and development requirements all in one place, but then export that out into a document that we can give to clients so that they get a good picture of what we're, what work we're proposing and how we're going to go about it. Um, so I've been looking at that, uh, anything to uh, stop writing documentation. Is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not stop, stop writing, reduce the effort. But I, th I think, <laughs> Uh, and I know I'll bring up the screen. I know you've been looking at uh, Bravo Notes, but I think to me it's it's as much about making sure that where you're working with the topics, where you're doing that work, where you're putting your notes and comments, 
is the documentation as well. So you're not writing a document and then updating it with your code and comments there and then changing it in a, a completely separate system. It's about being able to do it in one and having one export from that. Yeah, and, and, and a, a big part of it is trying to streamline a process. So mm, efficiency. You'll go and, yeah, you'll go and sit down with the customer and you'll have loads of discussions and, and those are your epics and your user stories. But you, you'd probably just go, okay, I'm going to create a Word document and I'm going to throw it all in there. And then, okay, great, you've decided all of that. Now you've got to do the work. Okay, how are you going to manage doing that work? You've just got a lot of information in a Word document. You know, we want to be working in DevOps. We want to be able to take from the business requirement and track it all the way through to, um, you know, making sure we've got test cases, making sure yeah. we've got acceptance criteria, uh, and then tracking the work that's done against those as well, like your pull requests and, and your co-commits. And there's then a big might, effort to move I, I it into I might wrap you up a bit early there because uh, I think we're going to go on to talk about DevOps in a, in a non-agile world in the uh, discussion part. So I think we'll probably uh, cover a lot of it there. Yeah. Cool. Lovely. Uh, so from my side, what have I been up to? Uh, I've been stuck with kicking off a, a lovely 2010 migration. Uh, it's always always good to see uh, some of those old ones get uh, removed. So we're, we're kicking that off, which is nice. Uh, also been working uh, with, in my trains up, uh, lovely three-hour trips up there, giving me plenty of time to work on. Uh, don't want to give control. Have been working through on a, a search bar. So we, we talked a little bit about this that Gary and I worked on earlier this year uh, about using a single-page application deployed into Azure Storage and using Microsoft Graph and the adaptive cards, including adaptive cards templates. Um, so I've now published that and working with Gary will put it out into the CPS uh, portal, uh, a version of that that goes through. And also looking at Elio Stroyf had a lovely post on using Cypress with SBFX. So I'm trying to integrate that so we can use Cypress for UI testing. So again, that end to ends. I'm not going to keep beating that DevOps drum, but we'll come back to uh, looking at that as well. At the moment, it really is just the code and how to install, but I'll be putting some details on it, some screenshots uh, coming up there as well. Just on the 2010 migration, um, seems to be a common subject at the moment, 2010 migrations. People finally waking up to the fact that it will be uh, completely unsupported come October. Absolutely. So, and I, yeah. I think also a lot of people as they're seeing the, the Windows 7 having to go to Windows 10, looking at Office versions and therefore going that this won't work with 2010 and things mm. on there. Uh, I think, yeah, there's absolutely some... Uh, so seem, we had. does does seem to be a high priority for those organizations who have not yet moved <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, definitely something worth looking at uh other things i've been looking at i don't know if the camera will stretch this far let's see where the wire goes just about i uh, remove the uh, screen uh, we'll see, see your picture share and show that a bit more uh, um so i work with uh, I, I run a cub pack and i'm trying to teach some coding so i'll be looking at this the uh mx chip from microsoft and doing a bit of azure iot so this is currently monitoring the the room temperature uh which would be very nice had a look at it a little bit too complex for the cubs the, the, the thought of getting them on javascript really wasn't going to happen um, but then found this little device the the mx chip uh designed by bbc uh, another great British institution. Uh, this one's actually got a compass running on there. 
uh, and you can code it with an iPad. Uh, you can code it through a web browser, deploy wirelessly. They can talk to each other. So we're going to be buying another five of these and getting the Cubs coding some stuff up with that, deploying it there. Uh, low cost, 15 quid, can connect up to other things. I've got another little box which is uh, when I get my electronics hat on is full of all sorts of servos and things. So getting down into the IOT world, it's, it's nice to, to get, get a bit of the maker hat on a bit of the geekery uh, and playing around with that. So uh, really be interested in that, which has been good because uh, we've had a few outages uh, in the middle of a meeting that decided to cut off last week and uh, oops. Uh, check that sharing now uh microsoft teams went down last week now you know it's bad things happen things go down but if it goes down because you forgot to renew a certificate and you're a multi-billion pound company that's really not good and even worse the fact i think it went down was it sharepoint or yammer uh later last year also had an outage because they didn't have a certificate that's updated and even if you had that issue and you happen to publish a, a way to do it, I'll try and find the link to it in the show notes. There is something you can do to go through your whole Azure environment, check for certificates and send you alerts when they're about to run out. If you publish things like that and you still don't remember to do your certificate, it's really quite embarrassing. So You could, uh, you could always put a reminder in your calendar as well. Uh, absolutely. It's so many things that can be done. Um it, it really shouldn't happen. So uh, I, I realise I'm opening myself up to probably finding out my site or go down any day now as I've forgotten to do that. But if this isn't a good reminder for you to go through, have a look through certificates, look at when they run out and make sure you update those. Yeah. Uh, it seems to have been bad a couple of weeks for Microsoft because they also had an outage. Uh, oh, the search. Oh, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> search seemed to go down, was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, I, I didn't notice it, if I'm honest. but. Um, so I did. Uh, so I mean, okay. uh, I'm I'm not a Windows user, so I'm I'm happy to use my Mac, and I use Spotlight on the Mac all the time. You know, it's the search, the same as where Windows is going. If I couldn't use that for a sustained period of time, I would probably lose my mind. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't have this issue, but I did in one of my Windows VMs. And I actually thought it was an insider issue at first because I'm in the insider build. I'm like, oh, there's been an update and someone's broken it. And then I looked on Twitter and everyone's like, where's my search bar gone? Yeah. And, and it was like, oh, okay, it's a bit bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, sorry, I was going to say, that's an, interest, that's an interesting aspect that you looked on Twitter to confirm. But it was an issue because a lot of people for the Teams outage were looking on Twitter, and they really should have been going to the uh, to the health centre in three six five for that kind of stuff. So it's quite an interesting place where where we all well, go now. I find it quicker on Twitter usually. Um, I usually get a quicker update uh, from there. That there's often not things in the health centre, but uh, maybe alerting of things another show in itself. <laughs> Um, I think we need, we need to get on discussion fairly quickly. I know we've we've all got meetings coming up, so I'm just going to run through some of the events and I'll, I'll put links to all these in the show notes. Um, there's the Scottish Summit coming up, which I know you two are both speaking at. Uh, the Power Platform Happy Hour, which I think, Al, you're speaking at. Yeah, that's a new one for an, an online online event for an hour. Um, so, yeah, four 15-minute sessions. Should be good. Should be, should be fun. 
uh, European Collapse Summit, which we were just talking before this, that you both attending, and I yeah. didn't get a thing saying I didn't have it accepted, which probably means my submission somewhere when I was over in uh, Prague trying to submit at ESBC uh, didn't go through. So uh, a little bit annoyed at myself, didn't check on that, but uh, missed out on that one. But it should be a, a very, very good event. Very sad, I won't be along to that. Uh, that that's going to be my next thing. I'm going to have to have a look and see if I can uh, work out a way to come along to that. Because, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I went last year yeah. and it was absolutely brilliant. As a community event, it's huge. Uh, it's very well run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will be along at Commsverse, which is uh, coming up. Um, uh, teams focused event. I know, Al, you're speaking there as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Two of us being representing really good event. Uh, it's going to be some F1. I, I joined the speakers of all hands on there. And there's going to be some F1 uh, races and things going on there. So lots really, really interesting what they're trying to do with that. Uh, and I think uh, first year this year, but I don't think it'll be the last. I think there'll be lots of that. Uh, Clab 365 Global Con 1 coming up in April. Must get my slides together and recording for that one. Uh, and also, in a, I think about a month's time, there's Clab Talk, talking on task management now. Yeah. Hoping, Al, you can uh, yeah, I think that's uh, end of February 26th, I think it is. Cool. And that, that was just a tweet jam. Anyone can join in. So uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, I know both both of us have been going in and submitting lots of talks. So hopefully we'll, we'll have some more news of ones coming up. Indeed. And just yeah. on the, uh, the European Collab Summit, there is mm. now Collab Days as well, um, which mm. a lot of the, the SharePoint Saturdays are now. Uh, under the collab days banner which is a, a little bit more open a little more uh, less restricted than SharePoint Saturday um, same ethos but they could be any days rather than just being Saturdays as well so that's that's an interesting change to look out for if you go to I think it's collabdays.org um, but we'll put that in the in the in the link as well yeah, I, uh, I was going to say, definitely put that in the notes because I noticed if you search for collab days uh, I couldn't find it so I might need to work on the SEO uh, a little bit to get that one out because uh, I think that's I, I really like what they're doing that it's a good rebranding anyway I think we'll wrap up we'll put the things on there we'll wrap up this side of the news and what we've been up to and we'll get ready to our discussion which I've got on my board over there problems with DevOps in a non-agile world 